Um, I'm in a, a series here leading up to Easter for Lent in Romans, and there's so much in Romans, so I'm just kind of hitting the, the high spots, kind of skipping along the water when there's such depth underneath. Last week it was Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. And if you can't admit that, if, that's the starting point. If you can't get there, then you can't really go any further. We all have sinned. And then what's the results of that? Come in Romans 6, 23. What are your wages? The, the verses are Romans 6, verses 20 through 23. Stand with me as we read these. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But then what return did you get from the things of which you were now ashamed? What return did you get? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the return you get is sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the return we got of which we're now ashamed. The return on sin was death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, made possible through Jesus Christ and what he did on the wondrous cross. Bow with me. Father, as we come this morning to ponder anew what you did for us on the cross and gave us salvation, a free gift, if we will only believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. The choices we make follow us for the rest of our lives. I remember very distinctly a children's camp we had at Epworth-by-the-Sea years ago, and I was, we were on the seashore, and in the sand, I kind of drew with my toes coming to a fork. And you can either take the high road and make the right choice or the low road and make the wrong choice. And then whichever choice you make, you come along, and, and there's going to be another decision. There's going to be another choice, isn't there? Another fork. And either you can take the high road or the low road, or if, if you've already choosen, chosen the low one, then there'd be a high one and a low one here. And, and those go on and on and on. And every fork, every choice is going to have results, and your life is going to be a consequence of the sum of those choices. What you do all throughout life is going to impact and affect you forever. A good example of that is Robert Byrd, who was a longtime senator from West Virginia, Parallel the career basically of Strom Thurmond in South Carolina. But Robert Byrd, uh, with the longest serving senator in U.S. history from 1959 until his, until his death in 2010, his last elected in 2006. So it's about a 51-year tenure and a very highly respected politician in Washington. But his first campaign as a senator was almost derailed before it ever got off the ground goes back to a decision he had made 20 years earlier, which he regretted the rest of his life. He was a young man of 23, an impressionable young fellow named Joel Baskin, came to Byrd and told him that he had a career as a politician, that people liked him, and he followed Baskin's recommendations, and Baskin just unfortunately was the grand dragon of the KKK in West Virginia. Byrd joined his organization and became the exalted cyclops of the KKK in West Virginia. I have no idea what office that is, but that's not something you want on your resume. 
Whatever his reasons, that single year of being involved in the KKK followed him the rest of his life. And every four years or six years or however often those senators are elected, there'd be a serious campaign mounted against him. And that issue kept coming up years, decades later. Bird kept winning, but he also learned that the decisions, even the bad decisions you make early on, will follow you the rest of your life. This morning, I want to talk to us about a choice that will follow you not only for the rest of your life, but for all eternity. This is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. There's a thing called the Roman Road, which we're going to be looking at in past Sundays and the Sundays to come, which guide you towards salvation. The first one, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. And this one, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Is death. But God has fixed it. The free gift that God has given us is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here the, here's the choice. And I want, you to, I want to make it crystal clear for you this morning. On the one hand, you have the wages of sin and the result is death. On the other hand is the free gift of salvation, and the result is eternal life. Death, eternal life, sin, gift of God. That's the choice that you have to make. Real simple outline, very similar to last week, and basically a similar message. The condition, the consequences, and the choice. But what's our condition? First of all, we have to come to the point where we can acknowledge that we have all sinned. All of us have sinned. Romans 3.23, we just said it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we think we haven't sinned, then we are only kidding ourselves. And it doesn't matter how bad a sinner, how big a sinner, how little a sinner, how minor the sin, it doesn't matter. There's a verse that that I ran across recently that really spoke to me. James 2.10 says, if you keep the whole law but fail at one point of it, you are guilty of it all. You can keep the whole law but just mess up one point of it. Guess what? You're guilty of all of it. James 2.10. So we have all sinned. Last week we, we talked about what sin means. Do you remember what sin means? It means missing the mark. Missing the bullseye. The Greek word is hamartia or hamartano. It means missing the mark. And the picture is, is of a target with a little bullseye. And you might hit that bullseye every once in a while, but you're not going to do it every time. The only one who hit it every time who was perfect was Jesus. But missing the mark is the definition of sin. And that's what you and I manage to do all the time. How often do we sin? I don't know, how often do you sin? A lot. Once a day? No. <laughs> Once an hour? No, maybe more. Because the Bible says even thinking of a sin is a sin. Even contemplating a sin. Even thinking about doing something wrong. Why? Because sin begins in the heart. Sin takes root in the heart and in the mind. And you begin to, to think about it and, and dwell on it and, and nurture it. And it begins to grow and it begins to take root. And, and when, that, when that root of sin breaks forth and the actual overt act of sin, sin's been going on in your heart a long time prior to that. 
So you and I sin more often than we even care to admit or acknowledge. God has a plan for our lives and he has a plan for how we are to act and what we are to do and what we are, what direction we are to take and how we are to relate to each other and to him. He has a perfect plan for us, but our sin interferes with God's plan. Sin keeps us from being what God created us to be, from living the kind of life he created us to live. Sin is missing the mark, missing the bullseye, the target that God has set out for us. And as I mentioned last week, don't blame anybody else because every time you choose to sin, you could have chosen not to. It was your choice. Let me give you uh, an illustration of, of how this might plan out. Let's suppose I go to an antique market and buy uh, an antique table at auction, pay a lot of money, it's 200 years old, it's a priceless treasure, and I take it home and get an ax and chop it up into pieces of wood and use it for firewood. Let's say that I buy Susan an expensive fur coat. Would that be okay with you? No. It's the most beautiful, the most expensive thing she has in her closet. But one day, Susan decides to take a pair of scissors and cut up that fur coat and use it for dust cloths. That's, that's funny. Let's say that Susan lets me take all my retirement money and go and buy a Rolls Royce. Are you going to laugh at that? And when I get home, I open up the trunk of that Rolls Royce and I throw the garbage into it. Those things are crazy, aren't they? Taking an antique and using it for firewood or a mink coat and using it for dust claws or a Rolls Royce and using it for a garbage truck. They're, they're our possessions. We can do whatever we want to with them. But that's not what they were made to do. It's not their purpose. And that's what it means to miss the mark. That's what it means to sin. It's taking something perfectly made like God made you and me and allowing our lives to be controlled by sin, to be perverted, to be diluted, to be used in inappropriate, crazy manner, filled with garbage and filth. Our life, our choice, but it's not what we were made to do. We were made to live for God. We were made to serve him. We were made to be in a relationship with him. But as long as there's sin in our lives, God can't have fellowship with us because God is so perfect and holy and just and righteous that even being in the presence of sin makes him sick, makes him nauseated. And so God distances himself from us as long as there is unforgiven, unrepentant sin in our lives. We have missed the mark by our sin. Do we have to? No, but we have chosen to. And so there are consequences, dire consequences, since God has removed himself from us. The wages of sin is death, because when you're out of fellowship with God, you are dead spiritually. And an interesting word here, the word for wages is actually the word used for paying a soldier. It's a soldier's pay. And I think what Paul is envisioning here is that you and I are soldiers in the army of sin and Satan is our general and we're just marching along blindly and he's paying us. And what is he paying us? Death to serve him. The wages of sin is death. And that doesn't mean physical death because that doesn't mean if we don't sin, we'll never die. These mortal bodies will eventually give out and we'll be laid in a grave 
But the Bible's talking about spiritual death. We were made to enjoy abundant life and fellowship with God, but sin has distorted and twisted and corrupted our lives until we are diverted away from the very purpose for which we were created. The wages of sin, the, the army pay of sin is death. Death to the purpose and plans God has for your life and the spiritual death that will eventually separate us from God forever, for all eternity. Left to ourselves, that would be the destination of every one of us. Separation from God because we've all sinned, we've all missed the mark, and by our sins we have earned spiritual death. How about that? We have labored hard, we have worked hard at our sin. And what has it paid us? Punishment by death. It reminds me of thieves who work hard to earn a dishonest dollar. And when they get caught, they're punished. A few years ago, there was an article in the Albany newspaper. Two crazy guys broke into the foundation of a mini-mart. They hacked out the concrete blocks. And I wonder how long it took them to do that. And they crawled underneath the floor and up through the floor. And what did they do? They stole a couple of cartons of cigarettes and a couple of cartons of beer. And they worked all night to do that. What was their pay? A couple cartons of cigarettes and a couple cartons of beer and a few years of jail time. Our labor of sin, for which we work very hard, will earn us death. Those thieves weren't very smart, but we aren't very much smarter. So that's the consequence, death. What is the choice? Praise be to God, he has given us a choice. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news. The Bible says there is a choice. You can choose to settle for the wages of sin and miss the, the bullseye, the mark that God had for you and earn spiritual death. Or you can choose to accept the free gift of God, which is eternal life, being forgiven of your sins, eternal with everlasting. It really means more than that. Eternal means a different kind of life that begins right here right now. It's a life where we can experience forgiveness because it's not a life without sin. Becoming a follower of Christ doesn't make you perfect. It's a life where we can confess that sin and be forgiven and released from its penalty and its power and its punishment and its wage. We can experience the forgiveness of God. 1 John 1 9, right after that verse in 1 John 1 8, where I said if we if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1, 9 follows up on that and says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a life in which we are restored into a right relationship with God. And we know, have you ever had a best friend and maybe you got into a little spat, you had an argument but then you, you decided this friendship was so important you were going to work it out and so you and that old friend got together and you talked through it and that relationship was restored and, and you were reconciled. That's what it is like with God. That's what he's done for us. He is so perfect and holy he can't be in the presence of sin but when that sin is forgiven and removed those barriers that have separated us are gone and he welcomes us back into a relationship with him with open arms 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ bringing us 
reconciliation with himself. It gives us hope. Let's say the doctor calls you with some bad news from a test and he says, I'm sorry, but you've got inoperable cancer and there's nothing that can be done. In a matter of few weeks, I'm, I'm afraid you'll, you'll be dead. But then the next day, he calls you back and says, wait a minute, there has just been a discovery and, and there's something we can do and it's a new procedure and it will remove the cancer and give you a complete cure. And suddenly despair explodes into celebration and you've been moved from death to life. That's how God replaces the death sentence purchased by our sin with the promise of new life. Peter puts it like this, by his great mercy we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And incidentally, doesn't that say something about evangelism for you and me? If you and I know somebody who has cancer and we know there's a cure and we don't tell them, that'd have to be pretty mean, wouldn't it? But we know someone who's dying in sin and going to be eternal separated, eternally separated from God. And, and here is the solution. God has given us a cure with Jesus' death on the cross, offering us forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Why would we not want to tell those we care about? Why would we not want to tell everybody the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The wages of sin is going to be eternal death, but the gift of God is going to be eternal life. It's a different kind of life that begins now and lasts forever. A life where we experience forgiveness and a relationship with God and hope for the future. So here's our choice. Let me lay it out as clearly and plainly as possible. On the one hand, spiritual death, separation from God eternally. On the other hand, eternal life, restored relationship with God forever. Which one do you choose? I hope it's a no-brainer. Who wouldn't want life instead of death? Who wouldn't want fellowship with God instead of separation from him? How can we have it? Jesus told it like this to a man named Nicodemus. One night he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Life is full of choices. Some are more important than others. Choices that we make, some will follow us into eternity. But no choice we make will be as important or as far-reaching as the choice given to us in Scripture this morning. On the one hand, spiritual death, eternal separation. On the other hand, eternal life and reconciliation with God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Bow with me. Father, you have given us a clear choice and offered to us the opportunity to respond. But pride gets in the way because we have to admit that we're a sinner and that we need something that we can't fix. 
and we're accustomed to fixing things and handling it ourselves. But this is the one thing that is out of our control. And we couldn't do anything about it. And praise God you did. When Jesus came to die on the cross, the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, our richest gain, we thank you, Father. And we receive that forgiveness and that grace and that reconciliation with you. If there's anyone here today that does not know you, that is not in a relationship with you, that has not experienced forgiveness of sins, and does not acknowledge you as Lord and Savior, Lord, bring them under conviction, watching by television. Whatever the need, you're able to meet it. You've done it for us. You'll do it for all. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.